1: Welcome in Rose City to another edition of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. It's a beautiful July morning here in the Rose City. Uh, Ryan Clark here joined by Chris Reifer. Chris, uh, how are we doing today, my man?
0: Great, great. Uh, You know, we're going to have a a, a nice little run uh, of beautiful days. Uh, Sunday for the game uh, against the Whitecaps looks like it's just going to be like phenomenal. High of 79, partly cloudy. These are the days we live for everybody. Um, this is, this is like the, the original promise of Pacific Northwest summer, uh, that has not always been fulfilled and it is now being fulfilled. Uh, so in it truly, you know, I walked out this morning to let the dog
1: out and, um, you know, cool breeze wash over my face, just really, you know, get to absorb the full gravity of a Pacific Northwest summer. It was, it was magical.
0: The vibes were high here, uh, on the dog walk this morning as well. Jerry, Very, very nearly had an opportunity to he's a bit of a hunter. He he considers himself a sports dog. Um, (laughs) And uh, he very nearly had the opportunity to to catch a mole, um, which he's only done once before. And and he uh, it, it was just like the best day of his life. He was very close. Uh, I was sort of the bad guy on that. There were like some kids coming down the sidewalk the other direction. And I was like, I can't do, like, not in front of the kids, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it, yeah, the weather was beautiful. The conditions were phenomenal. Uh, and, and Jerry, you know, just was eating it up. Love it. Love, love the hunter's
1: instinct from Jerry. Uh, you yeah, know, who else yeah, yeah. had a hunter's instinct, uh, in, in the last week is, is the Portland Timbers. <laughs> they, that's very, they went true. up to, uh, to Seattle and, uh, Went on a hunt of their own, gutted a few fish along the way, and got a 3 0 victory over the Seattle Sounders. Uh, really a season defining win, I think, for Gio Savarese and company. Uh, Gio continues to be undefeated up in Seattle, something that, you know, he's humble about it in public, but I'm sure he absolutely <laughs> loves it in private. I mean, you saw the videos in the locker room of him uh, doing the chants, albeit partially incorrectly but
0: you know yeah i mean the, the precision was it wasn't optimal he very nearly crushed that whiteboard like that that whiteboard like has a thing or two to say about that
1: <laughs> yeah he he smacked that whiteboard harder than the team uh smacked the sounders in that game uh and that was pretty hard it was pretty hard yeah it was it was pretty hard uh up 1-0 you know they were looking like you know maybe they uh, might give it up in the second half just based on the opportunities that Seattle was playing uh, for. And, and then suddenly, you know, Eric Williamson draws this foul. Bam, the Sounders down to 10 men. And that changes everything really at that point. A, a game that the Timbers had played very well to to be up in. Um, they they were able to essentially cement their victory after that, uh, knock in a couple goals uh, down the stretch to, to make it 3-0. Um, most dominant road win in seattle in a long time um really an impressive performance overall from the team Uh, top to bottom very little to discuss in the way of criticism um just based on the second half alone at least i mean
0: you know me i can find some oh sure they want to do that
1: Uh, believe me we can um (laughs) (laughs) that is in in fact part of our jobs here is is to be at least partially critical and and not uh you know, jump for joy and skip through meadows when things are going well. But um, really strong game for the Timbers, and, and I think that uh, it can serve as a catalyst beyond the level of play that they've already been at—a uh, catalyst to to continue to play well into these next two games. You know, yeah, you Vancouver up next, and then San Jose after that. Those are two winnable home games. Uh, yep. You get six points out of that, and you're. <laughs> You're in the top four in all likelihood in the Western Conference, uh, which is nuts to think about being a possibility for a team that you know was was in wooden spoon territory just a, a few weeks ago, and they knew they had to have this type of turnaround in order to to make a run uh, into the postseason. Maybe this is truly the start of it.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems to be. It it reminds me of a uh, of a line from one of my favorite bands, American Aquarium. Going to see him next month in uh, in Bend, I think. Uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Uh, I think it, it's it's just more generally a uh, an idiom. Uh, but but they have a great song about it. Uh, in any event, um, uh, I think that's that's been sort of how you sum up the, the 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 Timbers last few weeks. They have they have played very very well. Uh, and they've, they've now squeezed out, you know, everybody's been talking about the four game stretch. I think you can go back one more. Uh, it was a little bit disappointing draw uh, at the LA galaxy to, to give up a, a goal and in, in, in the waning minutes to, to, to draw one, one, but that's still not a draw you're going to shake a stick at uh, by any means. And so, you know, I mean, you look at the last five games, they've had three road games against expected Western Conference playoff teams the Sounders are sitting just below the red line right now. The other the other two Nashville and LA Galaxy are are above the red line. Um and then two home games against against teams that are currently sitting outside the playoffs. Uh and they've won 3 and drawn two. That's really really good. Uh that is exactly the kind of supporter shield level soccer albeit on a shorter smaller timeline than than the Timbers of ultimately need. But that's exactly the kind of supporter shield level soccer that we've been talking about. The Timbers needing to play, uh, if they wanted to get back into the playoff race from from the wooden spoon race, uh, and so uh, it, you know that that is what the, the the Timbers need, and they've worked hard to do it, and and I think full credit to them. But the the second part of that is the luckier you get, right? Uh, it's not just the harder you work; it, it's the luckier you get as well. And the Timbers have also gotten some good some good luck in in, in the table. Uh, it's funny. Uh, other than Austin and and uh, L A F C, who both seem to be runaway trains in the West right now, the three through seven spots in the West have basically just gone in the tank the last few weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the seventh spot uh, was, uh, was at 1.5 points per game. Uh, and, and it was, it was sort of between that and about 1.8 points per game for, for three to seven, uh, for those five teams. Now all those teams are between 1.4 and 1.5 points per game. And so that, I mean, it's sort of just been a landslide in that part of the table. And when you combine those two things, now the timbers are kind of just right on the cusp of that race. They're sitting at 1.3 points per game. They're they're less than point 0.1 point per game away from the Sounders. Uh, they're, uh, they're, a point, they're they're one point they're they're one tenth of a point per game away from the red line, um, and that's the kind of swing that can change uh, pretty easily in a week or two. Now, I mean, I don't expect things to stay. I mean, the, those three through seven spots are not going to keep sliding back to them, right? I mean, the, there are going to be teams that uh, that recover and even surge from here. Um, but the combination of the Timbers playing a lot better. And doing a lot better job of getting results. They their three wins in the last five equal the number that they had in the previous 15. <laughs> um, so they, I mean, you know, it, it is beyond obvious that their results have gotten a lot better. Uh but that combined with with some stumbles uh from, from key teams ahead of them have now put the timbers right in the thick of it. Um, and uh and and I think that's great in terms of a little mindset shift, uh, because it's not about climbing a mountain or digging a hole anymore. Now they're in the fight. Um, and, and that doesn't change the urgency at all. At the end of the day, uh, 1.3 points per game ain't shoot right. Like nobody's, nobody's putting that on the resume. Um, and so the Timbers haven't really accomplished anything yet. Uh, but they've done well enough to put themselves in a position where they now can um, and, and full credit to them for doing that. It wasn't clear at all, uh, at the beginning of the stretch that that was going to be possible, uh, that that was, that they were going to be in any spot, even remotely resembling this, uh, at this point. So credit to them for, for doing what they need to do over the stretch. And yeah, the, the, the game against the Sounders. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to you. What was your sort of biggest takeaway, uh, from, from that game itself?
1: Uh, my biggest takeaway was we were wrong. <laughs> we we talked uh, we've talked a lot about go to this season uh, yep. and his his lack of efficiency, his struggles in the first half of the season, um, and and I think the the biggest takeaway I took from that game was that he is his he's back. He's he's legit fully back. He's contributing well. Uh, and, and he's one of the most efficient goal scorers in MLS right now, period. Yep. And uh, this is the form that they need out of him as their, as one of their DPs. I mean, he, he is the type of guy that has thrived, really, over the last few games for the Timbers. Uh, goal and assist against Seattle, uh, particularly that first goal, tremendous
0: stuff. Really good goal. Yeah. Yeah. Nice run to that back post and then a good tight angle finish. Yeah,
1: they just need him to have those type of bursts uh, and and finish with class the way that he did. Um, that that was the largest takeaway for me from that game. I think additionally, um, you know, confidence is something that stood out to me. Um, there was a pretty serious lack of it throughout pretty much the entire first half of the season. Now, yeah. obviously, injuries contributed to that. Um, it's, it's harder to get wins and stay confident and feel good about yourself when every game, it seems like there's a new guy missing or, uh, suspended for a red card or, <laughs> you know, uh, everything else that went wrong in the first half of the season. But, um, uh, for confidence's sake, this is as good as it gets, right? You go on the road, uh, you beat the snot out of your rival, uh, and, and you come running off the field uh, feeling great, feeling good about your chances to, to make another run because you've done this before. You know, It's not like this Timbers team is just chock full of young contributors who um, don't really vibe with the culture or, or understand what it means to succeed within this franchise. Um, every one of these guys, for the most part, in the primary uh, lineups for the Timbers, uh, they've been here before. They were almost all... Here last year, um, in this exact same scenario, right? Um,
0: which similar which leads scenario. me not quite as dire, but similar. No,
1: scenario. not not quite as dire, but but very much a similar scenario. Yeah, not um, great. No, <laughs> in no. any event, you look at the the chart that shows the team points, and and you know the the it's a little flatter in the first yeah. half of the season, and yeah. then it starts to tick up, up and up and up and up. Um, it, it's the same type of pattern essentially, um, this season as it was last year, but, um, you know, for the sake of confidence, for the sake of, um, making a legitimate run, um, everybody's kind of coming into form at the right time for that to occur. Uh, the Timbers won't have Eric Williamson against Vancouver because of card accumulation, but he's a guy that I think is emerging as their best player. I think he's somebody who um, I think it's five goals in the last six or excuse me, five assists in the last six games or something to that effect for Eric. Um, Just the way he he affects the game uh, is unlike anybody on the field. You know, Seba Blanco is is still the most talented player on the field for them. uh, But at this stage in his career, he's not contributing at the level that he he might have a couple of years ago. Um, Eric Williamson is the guy for this team when he's healthy and and he is what makes them go. Um, I I think about a player on the thorns that, that kind of runs the show from the midfield and in Hina Sugata um, as, as a comparable type of player, Um, you know, for, for this team, the Timbers, Eric Williamson is that guy. And, and I've enjoyed watching him play. I've enjoyed the emergence of Nizgoda. Um, I think that Seba is is rounding into a, a higher level of endurance than he had at the start of the season. It was a bit of a long road to, to get him to this point, but I think he's not going to have to rest as much the back half of the season as he did maybe in the early going. Um, so that's good for them. Um, other contributors like Diron Espria, who obviously has had a rough season by his standards, um, are coming in and, and making legitimate contributions. You know, he he hit a PK. Um, he had a, He had a great celebration to tearing off the jersey and, and showcasing the um, picture of his father on his chest, uh, which was really cool. Um, and, and you look at a guy like Santiago Moreno as another one. Um, that we could discuss at length, who is a young player that I think is really coming into their own um, and, and showcasing why the Timbers believe so much in him uh, and believe that the future is very bright for him, because in his second year with this club, uh, he's showcasing that he could be a legitimate long-term piece that uh that you can build around in the future if he continues to develop in the way that he has
0: I'm going to pick up where you left off with Santi Moreno you want to talk about somebody who is building in confidence um and that is that is Santi I loved the fact that he stepped up to the penalty spot and said I want this one again um after he took one what was it two games ago uh uh, uh two or three games ago and, and and did really well with it sort of put it top corner um into a spot where he was unsavable. He, he stepped back up in Seattle in a big spot, in a big circumstance and said, and said, I want it again. I've earned this. Um, and another one unsavable, no, no goalkeeper is getting, is getting to that penalty and into the side netting, um, hit at the pace that it was. Uh, and I love the fact that he is stepping up with, you know, other good players, uh, on the field. He's stepping up and saying, I can do this uh, because I think he's got the talent uh, that, that if you combine that attitude, that talent and work ethic uh, you're going to, you're going to get something special and you're going to get a, a, the kind of player who can, who can frankly not be an MLS for very long <laughs> uh, if, if he's able to put those things together. And so I loved the fact that he stood up um, uh, to the penalty spot, took control of that and just said, this is mine and the game's over. Um, so, yeah, I, I I agree on that one. I'm really excited to see what we're going to get in the second half of the season from him, because if that's the attitude that he's going to have on the rest of the field, I think he could he could tear some stuff up. Oh, uh, uh, I disagree with you a little bit on Yaroslav <clears throat> And And the part I disagree with you on is the part where we we're wrong. I don't think we were wrong. I mean, I, I think our criticism of him at the time was right, but it's only a fool who believes on Wednesday what he believed on Monday, regardless what happens on Tuesday, right? And, and you know, I mean, when he wasn't scoring goals, it was right to say that in light of him not scoring goals and not being there for chances and not sort of having the other contributions on the field defensively and hold up play and those kinds of things uh, that you want to see from a striker that that he couldn't, continue to be the option. But he has started scoring those goals again. Oh, uh, And and I think that makes the question for the Timbers even a little bit harder. Uh, because the answer earlier when he wasn't scoring goals was pretty obvious, right? We got to do something different at that position, whether it's Felipe Moore getting, uh, getting uh, healthy or whether it's going out and signing uh, somebody else to come in and play there. Got to do something different. I think if he continues to do this um then that question is a lot harder. I still think it's a question, though, to be honest. I do too. I just to say I I think that um
1: his play validates their desire to prioritize getting a right back first. Yeah, uh, because there are some right. Timbers fans out there who, you know, rightfully, just given the way that Yara including was me. playing, including you, <laughs> who <laughs> were saying, you know, screw the right back position, let's uh let's go out and spend some big dollars on, on some DP striker, you know, ditch Nisgoda and and, uh, fill that spot with somebody that you'd spend uh, a whole bunch of money on. Right. Uh, But I think that given the play of Nisgoda and the opportunity to, to reintegrate Felipe Mora, who hasn't really contributed anything yet, but should eventually given his talent, um, it validates that it validates the fact that the, number one position of need right now uh, for them uh, to, to make this final run is to to snag right back in this window. I can tell you I haven't heard anything specific in the way of rumors, but at this point, uh, that is still their number one priority, and I would expect something to get done at that position by the end of this window. Uh, with, with the striker position, though, I, I think Yarrow's got it locked down at the very least for the rest
0: of this season. Uh, Maybe they. Between uh, he and Mora. You know, I I don't, I don't think, I I don't think he's an in-pin starter by any means. And just because, you know, I mean, uh, just like you, you, you shouldn't believe on Wednesday what, you believed on Monday, regardless of what happens on Tuesday. You also shouldn't believe on Friday what you believed on Wednesday, regardless of what happens on Thursday. And I think when you've got a player, yeah, I can do this all day. If you want me to go yeah. through the days of the week, I can just. Well, you got all you got all
1: five of the weekdays down. So that's you right. Uh, well. You get
0: the weekends off. You can you can believe whatever you want on the weekend.
1: So I can. What you're telling me is I can believe on Sunday what I believed on Friday, even if something changes on Saturday. That's right. You get a little bit of a pass. Okay, good. That's good. I, you know, I, I don't want to have to think about all these these different days over the weekend. I just want to kind of vibe. And so. this is
0: ex, ex, and this is why we record this podcast on Thursdays because <laughs> we want to make sure that we're in a window where we're you know thinking rationally about these things and where we're uh, where we're you know I mean having sober analysis, not you know just uh, just just uh, you know vibe based hot takes. <laughs> Oh, um, although we do
1: often comment on the vibes, the vibes, you know, it seems to be a running theme of this podcast to discuss where the vibes stand uh, with each team.
0: (laughs) But the substantive point about is is when, I mean, when you've got a guy who is so kind of dependent on, on having what is an incredibly high efficiency strike rate in providing value, he's always standing on a little bit of a cliff edge right, uh, he's always standing uh on, you know, I mean, it, it's a it, it doesn't take much for his value to the team to just totally tank. Uh, and I think that's basically the cliff edge that the Timbers have been standing on and sometimes falling over all year this year. um and and, and so I, I I think there is reasonable you know question or concern about sort of what it's going to be like going forward because you know, he is, he is a really efficient finisher. I think he's probably established that. Um, but even among really efficient finishers, there's always sort of a question of what is just being sort of normal efficiency and what is unsustainable efficiency. Um, and I, I think that's, that's basically always going to be a question for him. Um, so, you know, I, I think that situation is in flux, but I also think he has reinserted himself back into the conversation, Whereas before, I don't think he was even in the conversation. It was just sort of a, and the Timbers seem to be acknowledging this, almost a foregone conclusion that that they were going to be moving on um, from him. So, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes over the course of the season. I, I think that, that position remains one that's going to be in flux. But I also agree with you that uh, although there was some, a little bit of discussion about perhaps whether he would be, you know, they would be doing something different at that position in the window, I think it's going to be more in Nishkota for the rest of the year. And that's, that's now very, very clear. Um, uh I, you know, I, I think I, I agree with you entirely uh, with respect to Williamson. I think, you know, we are seeing him now get fully into form, fully into fitness. I actually don't hate the fact that he, that he has a week off this week um, to, 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 to rest a little bit, given that they've had to manage his minutes a little bit um, just as he gets fully back into, into form and fitness. Um, and Christian Paredes is, is, is a guy, I mean, you talk about a, a one player who generally played pretty well over the course of a disappointing beginning to the season. That was Paredes, right? Um, Paredes was one of the Timbers most consistent performers, uh, in what was otherwise kind of a calamity, um, through the first half. And so, you know, I mean, he is not a guy who you want to be out of the rotation and I don't think he's a guy who will be. And so, you know, having him step in for a game is not something that causes me concern, But I think Williamson is showing you uh, that that when he's in form and when he's fit, he's one of the Timber's best players, Uh, and he's one of the best, you know, sort of eight tens central midfielders in the league. Uh, And uh, and and you know, I mean, he's he's a guy who, frankly, if the national team wasn't so stacked at that exact position, (laughs) uh, and it might be the national team's deepest position. but if it wasn't so stacked, I mean, in many many other cycles, Eric Williamson would be in the national team picture. Oh, is sort of when he's at peak form of fitness because that's just the yeah. quality. No, and uh, I think fitness.
1: if he was if he was healthier too, you know, it'd be it'd be more of a discussion than it is. I, I think that the national team has probably taken a wait and see approach with him, um, given their depth at that position. But yeah, I mean, it it he strikes me as a guy who, um, you know. Is returning back to that level he was at before that injury as as somebody yeah. who um,
0: is on that track for sure. Yeah, I think I think it's really tough for the national team. Uh, I think it, it'll be really difficult for him to. I mean, look, I they, you know they have sort of in that spot they've played Western McKinney, they've played arena there a little bit. Uh, the Yunus Musa, uh, given that Adams has kind of played the six, Eunice Musa sort of steps into kind of that spot, although I I think Williamson probably fits most as the most advanced uh, of the three in, in, in the U S four, uh, three, three, um, uh, they've, uh, Luca De La Torre has looked really good in that position when he's played sort of coming off the bench. I think that's a really, that's a, uh, that's about the hardest position on the team to break into. Um, and, and so, you know, that that's a little bit unfortunate for him. If, if Eric Williamson was a nine, <laughs> <laughs> there would be real conversations, <laughs> um, uh, 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 about whether, uh, about whether he'd be in the team. Um, but I, I think it's a difficult one, uh, ju- just for that reason. But, you know, I mean, look, his club form has been brilliant the last few weeks, uh, as, as he's getting back, uh, back into it. And that's ultimately what matters for the, for purposes of this podcast. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, he, he is a guy who, who, you know, has the ability uh the intelligence and, and and everything to be a leader on the team and i think that's that's what we're seeing still got to get a little sharper on the defensive side of the ball uh and and i think uh in the first half especially against seattle um they were caught a couple times uh, including with the yellow card and uh and and uh and and in a couple other moments where williamson was a little bit late uh on on the defensive side of the ball um uh, but i i frankly don't worry about that too much because we've seen him be a pretty solid contributor on the defensive, on the defensive side. I think that's just a matter of, of, you know, one of the final parts of the process of getting back fully into form and fitness and, and getting game moments and just starting to get a feel for timing some of the rotations and timing some of the challenges. Um, so I, I don't worry about that too much. Uh, but it's still, it's still an area, uh, where, where I think he's, he's got a little bit of sharpening, uh, yet to do.
1: I agree for sure. Um, you know, I, I just think it, his con- contributions on the other end are so immense
0: that, you know, it it's easy yeah, to forget no maybe some of those lapses,
1: you know, well, <laughs> and, just and, so and, strong,
0: you know, I mean, even with some of those lapses and they're not huge lapses. I mean, it, 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 I wouldn't go nearly as far as to say he's a liability uh, on uh, uh, on that side of the ball. But but, you know, I mean, it, even with some of those, what he provides going forward and what he provides in possession makes it easy to live with. Geo Gio doesn't lose any sleep over that. No, he doesn't. Um, speaking
1: of Geo, before we end this Timber segment and move on to the thorns, uh, today is uh, Gio Savarese's 51st birthday. Uh, congratulations and happy birthday to Gio. Uh, definitely does not carry himself uh, like somebody in their 50s. That's a guy with the <laughs> zeal and energy of, of someone many decades his junior. Um, so... Really great personality. Many Uh,
0: decades his junior? Like, how many?
1: Are you saying Geo has the energy of a 21 year old? I would say multiple decades then. And so, like, a 31 year old man? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes. I mean, he's out there running with them like pretty consistently at at training, you know? He. He has not really slowed down, you know. Just because a man gardens as frequently as Giovanni Savarese, it does not mean he's going gentle into that good night. You know, he's okay. he's very much uh, in in <laughs> a guy that uh, is is youthful in his um, in his approach to life and and approaches it with joy, which I think we could all do. Yeah, you know? I agree. Uh, I just happy saw, birthday Mar- to Gio. yes. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday to Gio. Uh, what I was going to say was that I just saw, uh, Marcel the shell with shoes on last night at the film, uh, oh. from a 24. And this is not a plug by the way, for those <laughs> who think that we might be sponsored, um, by a 24 or this film, um, on the subject of joy, really excellent movie. Um, yeah brought me to tears. It was, it was tremendous it, to think that a little stop motion shell, uh, with a pretty annoying voice, just objectively, <laughs> uh, from Jenny Slate, uh, the comedian who voices Marcel, um, it, to think that that would, uh, stir one's soul and make one reflect on the human experience and the value of community. Um, uh, I think it's a testament to the filmmakers. So just wanted to to fit that uh, that quick movie review in <laughs> before we uh, move on to what our actual job is here, what my actual job is here. And that's covering the the Timbers and Thorns, uh, the that's Thorns right. uh, they drew OL rain two to two in their last game. Also um, a good result at Lumen also field. a very good result uh, at Lumen field, uh, especially given what they were missing. You know, both teams were missing players, but um it seemed pretty clear from the outset that the Thorns were a little bit outmatched uh, given what the rain still had left over from, from national team duty. Uh, And, and I thought that this was one of the best displays of the culture that Rian Wilkinson has instilled in this team that we've seen all season. They fought and fought and got this result. They were up two to one. So, you know, the disappointment was obviously there post game that they fell back into the draw, but um, to get a point out of that game uh, in a stretch where you know you're not going to be at your best, and you're missing more key contributors, I think than almost anybody in NWSL um, between the U.S. Women's National Team, the Canada National Team, um, and others that that have been busy with with thorns contributors. Um, you know, Sam Coffey just got called back to the national team. That's going to be talk
0: about that in a second.
1: Yes, we can. Uh, the, the realities of that are interesting because, you know, we'll talk about it, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> let's focus it, on
0: the game. We'll talk about that those shenanigans yes, shortly.
1: The, yeah. Those shenanigans will be discussed. Uh, either way, the, the rain game was really strong for the team. I, I think that, um, Rian Wilkinson was more than pleased with the performance. Maybe not the result. I think she thought they could definitely get three points out of the, the way that they played. Um, but. It is what it is at this point. I think they have one more game now here against Gotham on Saturday. Uh, that'll be the last one before they finally um, get their full cast of characters back um, because their next game isn't until July 29th against Racing Louisville, and that's on the road. Um, so so bringing everybody back will be nice to um, to get this team rolling as as the late season progresses because they're still – in a strong position, you know, they, um, they're one of the better teams in NWSL currently sitting at third in the standings with 18 points, uh, one ahead of OL rain. So they maintain their position with this point uh, split that they had with the rain, Um, two points back of the red stars for second and three points back of the San Diego wave for first. Um, I envision Portland, Without a doubt, finishing in the top three. The question is, how high can they get uh, with the full cast of characters back uh, making this stretch run to try and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Uh, because this is obviously an atmosphere in Portland that um, any team would be glad to have in a postseason run. Uh, Portland had it before losing to the Red Stars last year. Um, but Regardless, you know that is what you want when you're the best team. I think in NWSL uh, is to have that home field advantage all the
0: way. That was uh, so the game in in Seattle against the rain was first of all really good game. Uh, both teams were really heavily limited uh, by by primarily international absences, and I thought that was a really high level game for the personnel that both the teams had available. Um, I do want to put a note on something that that a lot of people talked about online uh including some players that game can't be on Twitch. Like I don't care who's missing. I don't I, I don't care uh who's on national team duty. Um that is way too good of a game and that's way too high stakes a game for NWSL to be broadcasting on Twitch. Right, and they're they're billing it as best
1: rivalry in global women's soccer right in in a lot of ways and in a lot of ways that's true so if that's the case um whomever is in charge of these tv deals and organizing things uh get that thing on big cbs man and if you can't do that because of some other conflict at the very least get it on cbs sports network this should be a televised event easy to access via stream and easy to access for those with cable. Right. Uh, it, it made zero sense to me that we were sitting there watching this game uh, and and it was on Twitch and it was buzzing out and causing <laughs> freezing. The, the production and, and value was terrible. The production value sucked. It, it was just something that did not rise to the level of the quality of the game. And and I I think it's it's ridiculous at this point that you know players have to go on social media and complain about the quality of the broadcast when these are among the best athletes in their sport in the
0: world. And, and credit then, to them for doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that is what makes NWSL such a strong league when it comes to the the voices of the players is. Um, their willingness to when they see something that's obviously BS, they call it out. And yeah. and there's and multiple players. There, so. Yes. And they're they're effective um in in fomenting that change with their voices. Um but I agree. I, I just think it's ridiculous that a game of this caliber would be um not only on Twitch, but broadcast in such a poor manner on yeah. Twitch where where it's freezing and and
0: not high quality at all and it ends up doing a disservice getting back to sort of the the original point it does a disservice to the the 22 players that were on the field at any given time right um because there were a lot of players a a lot of whom you know uh, sort of uh, just non rain fans or non thorns fans don't know or don't know well who were showing out and they deserved to have a stage with the way they were playing um and with the quality of the game uh and and the quality of the product frankly that they were delivering to their fans um and and so and so they deserved it It does a disservice to them as well in addition to a disservice to the fans who want to follow uh to 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 have that game on twitch i watched on my phone it was ridiculous um but it was still a very good game uh and so let's talk about that uh i I came away given the absences on the road against a good team that still had some, you know, I mean, Jess Fishlock was there. Kim Little was there. I, I mean, uh, the, the rain, even though they were limited uh, in terms of their personnel, still had some really good players on the field. Tobin Heath was on the bench. She didn't play. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we don't have to talk about that, thankfully. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I mean, given sort of what they were up against, you know, I know I've said the last couple of weeks that style points don't don't matter uh, in this stretch for the Thorns. They racked up some style points. They had some stretches of that game, particularly at the beginning of the second half. I thought where they were really, really, really excellent. Um, and that's, I mean, you know, I I, I think there are reasons why uh, you would be perfectly happy with an ugly win. Or an, even an ugly draw in in this circumstance, but this wasn't that, and so I'm I'm glad that 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 Reen said after the game what she did, uh, because I think the players deserve a lot of credit for stepping in and saying I I can play Thorn soccer I sort of taking the next player up uh, kind of perspective of I I can do this I can I can play in this way and they did and they proved it and I think if you're a lot of teams around the league looking at the Thorn's depth looking to the next offseason right now. You're saying there are some interesting players here who who I think have have professional careers uh and might be ready ready for a bigger role, which you know, I mean it's it's hard to maintain that kind of depth. Um but but I I think the Thorns have it and and I think a lot of these players are 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 proven it. Um I really questioned going into the game. I actually took almost for granted uh, that the Thorns were going to move uh, Sugita back into the center for this game. I, I thought with with Fishlock um, uh, playing centrally for for the Rain and with Little, even though she was nominally in a wide position, likes to come in quite a bit. I thought the Thorns needed to do that just to match up. Um, and given the personnel available to the Thorns, I thought it was sort of a you know a, 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 it was going to be important for them uh, because I think playing as an eight put a lot of pressure on Olivia Moultrie. So, I, so when I saw the lineup, I was pretty surprised that they didn't do that, that they were keeping uh, Sugita wide, that they were putting Moultrie uh, in the eight uh, and, and sort of making that ask of her. Um, and I think it was a degree of faith in her players that Rean Wilkinson showed and that her players fulfilled and rewarded. Uh, I think Moultrie was really good in, in central midfield, uh, in, in pretty challenging circumstances with a tough, tough ask. And I think Sugita who was, I think Sugita was, was probably the best player on the field for the, for the, over the course of the game. Uh, and it's, it's not often you see somebody who's legitimately playing as a winger. It's not like she was some fake winger who was actually playing as a central midfielder and having a fullback bomb over the top of her all day. That's not what was going on. She was playing legitimately as a wide player. And yet she was her usage numbers were were astronomical for what you'd normally see from a wide player she was she was having sort of the the usage stats of a central midfielder they were playing through her a ton and she was so effective uh down that left side uh for the thorns where there were long stretches of the game including late where i kind of thought the thorns might be able to nick one more to take all three where it was the sugary show um and so I, I I think she was phenomenal uh, and in a game in which she was among the most talented players on the field, certainly probably the most talented player on the field for the thorns, she stepped up and said and and, and carried the team. Um, and then just everywhere else where where the thorns got contributions, I, I thought it was extraordinary. Um, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, that's a, a a really tough ask to go in and to get a result at all. And to get a result, to play well, uh, and and I, I couldn't be more impressed uh, with with the team that went out there and and did it and did it the way they did. Um, I think you know Sam Coffee was a big part of that. I think she was again excellent as a six. Um, she is it, the next day flew out to join the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, for the remainder uh of uh, uh of the tournament down in Mexico um i so i'll say this if she's going to play great fine i mean the i mean it's a huge opportunity for her then great uh if she's actually going to play if she's going to get on the field um and and get you know a meaningful number of minutes then i'm happy for it and it's worth the thorns missing her for Gotham even if it costs them a, a result and it might because now the cupboard is really, really bare, um, uh, in in terms of who the thorns can play. Uh, but it's worth it if she's going to actually go down and play. But look, they just had her in camp for a couple of weeks. They had two friendlies during that time. She played the same number of minutes that I did. It's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a fact.
1: Yeah, it it it's zero, by the way.
0: You yeah, did I didn't play. play. I also did not play. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and if that's going to be how it goes again, I think the, sh- the Thorns should be pretty ticked off about this. And frankly, I wouldn't mind if there was some pushback. I think the national team has, for lots of reasons that we could fill many podcasts talking about, not been particularly respectful of NWSL clubs in terms of both the scheduling of of U.S. Women's National Team games, and in terms of who they're calling up for 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 these games. Then that's just sort of a general comment over the course of the nine year history of of NWSL. And I think for a long time they kind of got away with it. Because the league was, I mean, for goodness sake, the league was basically run by the Federation for a lot of years. NWSL is, is, is growing beyond that relationship. Thankfully, that's a good thing. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's excellent. But, but you know, there's been basically no sort of public pushback, uh, on a lot of this. I think there should start to be some pushback because the league is important. Um, and and the league and maintaining the health of the league and 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 having a good competitive, uh, consistent league is critical for the future of the national team, and and so you know if if this is going to be a circumstance in which Sam Coffey is going to miss a game, fly down to Mexico to train with the national team and not to play again, I wouldn't mind at all if the thorns somebody with the thorns sent a little bit of a shot across the bow and basically said, stop doing this. <laughs> like we have, we have important games to play here. Um, and, and it's better for our, for these players to be playing important games against good teams. than going down to practice in Monterey or where, or wherever the, the, the camp is set up at the time. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I guess I, when I saw that announcement, um, it raised an eyebrow for me uh, because uh, I, I just—I I guess I just don't have a ton of confidence, frankly, uh, that this call up is is necessary, um, and and that she's actually going to be going to be used. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Vlato Vlaco is is taking the opportunity now that they're sort of in the semi final and final of this tournament. They've qualified for the things they need to qualify for. Uh, maybe he's going to take this opportunity now to to get her field time and to get her working into uh, sort of the national team proper. If so, great. No problems. But if not, come on, man. Yeah.
1: At that point, it's like, why? Why even bring her down there if she's not going to play? You know, yeah. um, you're, you're not that thin to, uh, as far as injuries where, oh, gosh, I absolutely need her right now. So if if you're not just giving her the opportunity, then what are we doing? <laughs> what what uh, what is the purpose? And and I think that yep. um, you know Rian Wilkinson is heavily involved with the the Canada national team. Um, maybe she does take the shot across the bow at the neighbors to the south, and then says, "Hey, Vlatko, what the heck, man? Like we're trying to trying to win this last game prior to getting everybody back, and and you take away." One of the individuals who is key to that occurring uh, is going to make things tough. Uh, Gotham is, is no slouches. You know they've they've got some players missing, like everybody. But um, you know it's it's going to be as every game has been in this stretch a battle. Um,
0: the league is and, important.
1: Yeah, the league matters. and it's a good league. Yes, top to bottom, good league. Um, you know anybody can beat anybody for the most part on any given night. I mean it's 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 that much parody that exists. So um, every person being in there counts. Uh, so we'll see uh, how that impacts the Thorns against Gotham. I think that Coffee has emerged as somebody who, you know, I, I compared Eric Williamson to Hina Sugata earlier. Um, I, I think that in a lot of ways, he's like a blend of what Hina provides and what uh, Sam Coffee provides. You know, um, he might even lean more in the Coffee direction, uh, just given his... Uh, his level of contribution in the last few weeks, um, and, and it'd be interesting to hear Kelly Hubley's take on that. On what what player on her team she thinks Eric compares the the most to? Um, I might ask her that this week. That'd be kind of cool to.
0: to I hear think you should also, you should also ask the the other side, which is yes. who, you know, who is who is the Timbers equivalent of Kelly Hubley, and you should ask ask Eric that. Yeah, <laughs> who, who's, who's who's your money on? I think it's probably Laris Mabiala, right? Might be Zach. I don't know, tall, yeah. long legs. You know, yeah.
1: like yeah. athletic kind of center back. Um, it it she's more for she's further along in her career and development than Zach is. But yeah, um, and is obviously a reliable person back there. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I could say Mabiala. Yeah, that, that that's <laughs> that's an interesting two people to compare to one another in terms of their play styles. But it
0: it, it works. If you're looking um, for some hard hitting journalism, there, there there's there, a story for you.
1: Yeah. Let's let's just compare everybody on both teams <laughs> and, and just spend the next half hour saying who's who on each team and then just confuse everybody. Uh get everyone mixed up like at PTFC for peace when there was like fifty people on the field at That's one right. time.
0: So yeah. You know, it, i I will say, and this is this is veering sort of into a hot take segment to be named later. I do think there's another side of this coin though. Mm. And, and a broader conversation to have with NWSL, which is, you know, in light of the fact that they have Challenge Cup and in light of the fact that they have the ICC for a couple teams and these various other sort of tournaments and in light of the fact that they have pretty regular interference from the national team, whether it's for something like this or the Olympics or the World Cup or I mean, most years there is a significant stretch uh, of an international window in which a lot of players are gone. I think it's time for NWSL to sort of bite the bullet and extend their season so that they can take more meaningful breaks during this stuff. Um, There's, you know, no reason that I can discern uh, why, you know, why they're not sort of running their, their, their preseason sort of on the, on a similar February to November schedule uh, as MLS does. They have at least as many complications as, as MLS. Um, And although, you know, I don't think it's optimal for the league to be stepping away for weeks at a time are going quiet for weeks at a, at a time. Uh, I think it's better to have more good games than just to have games. Um, and and if if every one of the games without uh without sort of the national teamers was like Thorns Reign, I might feel differently. Um, but the reality is they're not. <laughs> there are a lot of pretty bad games during this stretch, and 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 I think it's it's important um uh, that that teams are you know not having regular stretches in which they're missing. You know, I mean, both of the, both the rain and the thorns were missing most of their starters this last game, and that's not optimal. No, and and back to the subject of of you know exposure and
1: being on the on the right channel or streaming service or whatever, um, that makes it harder to
0: sell. Yeah. You know, CBS if, if wants to see Sophia Smith. They want yeah, to see Megan Rapino. Yeah, I, I I agree. But you know, I mean, uh, so you know, I I. I come down hard on, on USSF for not being sufficiently respectful of the league. And I think that's fair, but there's also an element of, of the league needs to needs to do some things on its end that, that make these conflicts less intractable. Um, and, and, and that, that makes this a little bit more viable. The the other point is the, the rate at which NWSL teams play games is, is insane. <laughs> uh, and it's not good for injuries. It's not good for athletes. Uh, and so I, I think that's something that, that in sort of the, the process of the maturation of the league and look, it's been nine years now. So you're kind of losing the young league excuse. Um, it's now time to, to have it be the schedule laid out on, on sort of a more viable and and more realistic timeline. Um, that's, that's not causing a bunch of games to be played shorthand. That's not having, you know, saturday wednesday saturday wednesday playing every three or four days consistently through the summer uh kinds of dynamics
1: definitely i I think that they would no i I don't think that's a terribly hot take i think that every player in nwsl and probably almost every coach would agree with you you know stretching out the season uh is, is a benefit to all and and would allow for longer breaks and um, give this league an opportunity to to showcase its best of the best in more lengthy windows you know so you know the league it has a lot of different avenues through which it can continue to grow uh, and i think that being more cognizant of how these stretches of games impact players from a health perspective from an availability perspective perspective due to the national teams etc um will just be another example of them doing the right thing uh and um continue to lead the way uh on that um so it'll be interesting to see what team the thorns field on saturday uh but that game kicks off at 7:30 p.m at providence park uh, timbers play sunday night 7:30 p.m also at providence park Uh, That'll be a a fun one against Vancouver to wrap up this uh, pair of Cascadia matchups. I I believe uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a win there would all but uh, seal the
0: Cascadia cup for the Timbers for this season. Yeah. Um, There'd be some conceivable possibilities for the the Sounders still to catch up, but it would look mm -hmm. pretty dire for Seattle from a goal difference perspective uh, and, and all of that. So it, you know, The if the Timbers win on Sunday, they will they I think the way I put it on Twitter, they'll have one hand on on the Cascadia Cup. Um that would take a pretty, pretty wild meltdown to to turn that around. Yeah, and the NWSL version, uh, just cut it
1: in half. Just take a just take uh Timber Joey's chainsaw and just uh cut it in half. Um because it's been a draw the whole freaking way, the whole season. And they've played so many times at this point, just nobody has shown their superiority yet. So just Give them half and half. That's yet. what I say. Yeah, sure. Yet,
0: <laughs>
1: yet, exactly. They could meet in the postseason, and that would be exciting because that, that would be, be a exciting. heck of a matchup. And you know, full strength, both of those teams. One could argue top two teams in terms of top to bottom talent in NWSL. Um, you know, some San Diego Wave fans are beating down my door right now saying, "What about us?" Same with with Chicago, but.
0: Um, those, those are, those to me are the two teams. It feels like they're kind of on a collision course, right? Uh, I mean, especially the way the games between them have played out. Uh, they've been super tight games. They've been really competitive. Uh, they, and you know, I, I generally agree with you that I think those are, those are probably the two best teams, uh, in the, in the league, even if, even if, you know, they, that they, they have, they have not sort of separated themselves in the table just yet. Um, if I had to put money on two teams that, that I thought were, were going to be, you know, heading in the direction of, of a final, those would probably be my first two. And how cool of a final would that be? I mean,
1: think about that, like rain versus thorns in an NWSL final. At At Providence I'm, I'm going to drop
0: some news into the podcast in a second. It's What's be a that? Study. I mean, it's what? not like my news, <laughs> oh, to be clear. Okay. It's just, well, here's an update of something that happened. We found out where the finals going to be. Uh, it's going to be in Washington, D.C. So Thorns fans and Rain fans flying across the country <laughs> to go to a game in Washington, DC to want to watch the final. That'd be fun.
1: Mm, you don't seem long, excited. <laughs> that's a long way to go, bro. And yeah. I mean, DC weather, you know, I'm I'm traveling out that way in August. Uh and you're going to DC like, in August? Yeah, 90 nobody degrees. to blame but yourself here yeah that's all me um <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know it's it's 90 degrees in like thick humidity right now even in the fall it's not really great that's that kind of that kind of sucks i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of of that as as a as a locale for for that game but
0: you know. I think Bank of California Stadium, frankly, is it would have been like kind of the obvious other choice. Yeah,
1: that would have been sick. Right. Yeah, you know, and, know like, and I'm sure the player would gone have for that.
0: preferred that. Yeah, I, it's an easier travel. I mean, my sure. brother and sister in law live in DC, so I shouldn't be like, I'm not going to DC. Yeah, and my oh. brother
1: lives there. So <laughs> I, I should also not, you know, come out and say, oh, I hate Washington, DC because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be visiting him. Uh, so it is what it is. But I, as a as a neutral site, um, it's interesting. It's interesting to choose that as the neutral site to the year after the Spirit win the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and and they're probably not, given where they're at right now, gonna gonna be in that position again. Who knows? Maybe dangerous team though. Turn things around. Yeah. I mean, they have the talent there yeah. to to potentially turn it around. Um, but, but it, do, it a does kind of spot. feel
0: like the, the thorns in the rain are on a collision course for sort of a, a high stakes playoff showdown, uh, at some point. And, you know, even though there's no rational reason to believe that'll happen, uh, it like just the narrative arc of the season feels like that's the logical conclusion, uh, for at least one of these teams, uh, having a high stakes, uh, game in the playoffs because yeah. and look, I mean, you know, that'd be must see TV that hopefully the league wouldn't put on Twitch.
1: Put it on CBS, man. Yeah, You got the Paramount deal. You got the CBS sports games going on. You got a, a couple games that have been on big CBS. Get that thing across the finish line. These are two unbelievably exciting teams. And if those teams meet in a playoff game or like a semifinal or even a first round matchup, must see TV. People yeah. from all around the country who love soccer, no matter who they are, would tune in for that do it and that will wrap it up for us here on soccer yes yes tune out of this podcast (laughs) but after you do be sure to leave a review for us uh we've gotten some some new ones um that some have been positive some have been negative should we Um, read mean
0: reviews on the podcast i'm
1: gonna read a mean review right now
0: all right yes
1: so we are pulling up uh the apple Reviews for the podcast. Um, one uh, from user SJ881261. It's <laughs> an interesting username. On April 7th, uh, gave us five stars. Best soccer podcast, best source of info and commentary on Portland soccer. Look forward to episodes dropping weekly. Um, June 10th, to 2022, from Business Dude. Uh, dude spelled d-o-o-d-e um gave us one star he says he says uh his headline was great cure for insomnia um so good that we're helping him with a very serious health issue Yeah, honestly Uh,
0: like that that, that's not one star there are lots of there are lots of evenings where i'm like laying awake where I would like five star the heck out of something that that could get me to go to sleep. So dude, if
1: you if you cured my insomnia, I would like
0: <laughs> buy you a house. Um oh, apparently I can do that.
1: Yes. <laughs> Have you tried? So uh we, we did we've done done that for business, dude. He says, quote, has so much potential, unfortunately a real snoozer. Well, you need, you
0: need to sleep well if you're going to go crush the business world uh, during the day. So I think business dude was a little bit harsh with the one star because really, you know, helping him kind of get get at the core uh, of, of what he does. <laughs> <laughs> get some sleep, man. Yeah. If it,
1: if you need to listen to us beforehand and play the entire podcast start to finish in order to sleep, go ahead and do that. We still get the stream. It's fine. But yeah, that's your opinion. And Whatever your opinion is, please share it with us. We love your feedback. Uh, Leave us a review there on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get them. Uh, Subscribe, tell your friends, interact with us on Twitter. Uh, We're both active, uh, whether for better or worse users on Twitter. So so hit us up there. uh, And thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week.